I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to another wonderful and pleasant episode of Knife Talk Pod. What was that? The dog. <laughs> 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 anyway, this is gonna be so great. Yeah. go ahead. <laughs> just, just let me let me just put him in another room. Just a sec. Just sure, a sec. Sure. Sorry about this. Well, I'll finish the intro. Keep going. So, anyways, keep going, man. This is the podcast about knives, where we answer your questions. We talk about our. Oh, you know, I, I'm here with uh, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and I myself am Marco Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. We are all custom knife makers and we're here to help you out we're here to help answer questions like i said earlier and just kind of talk shit and bitch and moan and all that kind of fun stuff and uh so jeff how about we kick off with you since uh craig's working with his dog uh how has your last week been my man it was weird it was a strange week uh i tried to get through a lot of um uh, changes in my schedule we've been kind of starting to take on uh, Christmas orders and holiday orders. And mm. it's been a little bit on the stressful side because I'm having to redo some scheduling. So mm, uh, sure. it, it's, it was one of those things we've taken on some things where we wouldn't, I wouldn't normally take them on, but the money's good. And, and I, I really want to get to get to the next level. And part of that getting the next level is kind of doing more volume. So I'm kind of like dealing with some stresses and then, uh, you know, some, you know, here and there, yeah. We're just, you know, getting, getting, trying to, you know, keep the ball rolling. The weather's been real nice in New York, so it's been a lot easier to have the windows open and the doors open, and, uh, and there you go. I don't have, you know. Nice in what way? I, it's, it's not crazy humid right now, is that what you mean? No, no, no. It's great. I mean, it's really great. It's been like, uh, well, I mean, this morning right now, it's in the 70s. You, know, you talk about the weather, you know, we're talking about the weather, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, and then I had a stressful situation that I'm going to use in my beefs. I have a I had a beef that was uh, I had I had a altercation. So we're going to talk about that later. Radio tease. Oh, nice. But the real question is the real question. Who the hell cares about me? Hey, Craig, how you feeling? Uh, How's it going, Craig? uh, I'm I'm a sweaty mess. I'm just. I had a few too many drinks last night, so <laughs> I've literally, my wife just woke me up and said, you're doing the podcast in 10 minutes, you need to get up out of bed, and it's, well, it's, <laughs> it's now 10 past three in the afternoon. I'm, I'm a sweaty mess. I'm, I'm not feeling good at all, so if I have to duck out <laughs> during this, this, this show, I'll be back, but I just need to uh, evacuate my, uh, my stomach. <laughs> oh. Are you, 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 you think you're going to throw up? Quite possibly. Uh, quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now, now, I, the only reason why I know this is because I did a live feed about five minutes, be- uh, half an hour before the show, and your wife, who's now officially our executive producer, <laughs> let me know that you weren't feeling well and I should, we should go easy on you, which I think is, uh, which is, I don't think she meant that. I think she wanted us to go hard <laughs> on you, but. No, that's exactly uh, what you say what, when you don't want people to go easy on somebody. <laughs> what, what, so what, what happened last night? It was uh, we we I've talked about it. We do these um, like village get-togethers. Everybody gets outside. They have communal barbecues and drinks, and they have a live band and all this kind of thing. 
And um, so we were there with the babies. My wife was like, well, I'm going to take the babies back now because we've got them into this little routine of them going to sleep at a certain time. She said, but you sure. stay out if you like. You, you know, you, you've you been working hard. You, you stay out and enjoy yourself. So I took that as a green flag to go a bit crazy. Yeah. And uh, oh, I'm regretting it so badly, so badly. What? So you just like met some strangers and just started drinking? Oh, no. You know, people from the village, you know, people, people we know, obviously. And um yeah, so the, the, we've got a little bar in our in our village, and the the the, the two guys who li- literally live opposite me they run the bar. They're a couple, and mm. um, they decided it was going to be happy hour up until sort of two a.m. and it was two for one oh drinks, and everybody was getting oh. merry. The Holy band were playing. Smokes. It was yeah, it was all. I, I feel a bit ill thinking back to it now. Ugh. No whiskey, <laughs> right? No whiskey. No, was no, it all no, wine? No. Or oh, was it beer. beer? Just beer. Just beer, yeah. And, you know, they had the barbecues go in and the, and the butcher was there with his, you know. Oh, holy with, shit, with that sounds incredible. So you could just buy stuff and, and cook it yourself. So pretty sure I've had lots of undercooked sausages and all sorts through the night. <laughs> yeah, all yeah right, I think well, it's a bit of a warning know, that I'm getting too old for this kind of stuff. Yeah, trichinosis. You're mm. going to get some good trichinosis. Well, we hope you feel better. How was your week? Um, okay, it was a no-drama week. So just good to be able to just, just fly through orders, really. Um there, there was something different I was doing this week. One little sort of side project I was doing in sort of downtime while I went for glue to dry, that kind of thing, is um, a, lot, a lot of the villages here around France, they have a specific knife for their village. Um, and we don't have one here. My village is tiny, so, you know, there's a reason why we haven't had one. There's never been a knife maker here in, in this specific village. Hmm. So I was speaking to our mayor um, probably about a month ago, and I was saying, you know, it'd be good if we had a, a Pazak knife and Pazak's our village. Um, and he was like, great, great. So he gave me some tips, you know, um, you know, the type of design that he'd like to see in that. So I've made a few prototypes this week and um, I showed them to him last night, funnily enough, after a few drinks. Um, and he's really happy. So we're going to roll this out as as, a, as the Pazak knife. So we, we get quite nice. a few uh, visitors here in the summer, you know, August, September, um, people coming over for holidays, that kind of thing. And funnily enough, we, the village has just opened a little shop as well for all the, the makers within the area. So anybody who makes stuff within the sort of local area, they can put this their stuff in this shop, and it'll be manned. That you know the mayor's paying for for a member of staff there, um, and it's going to be like an exhibition. Basically, you can put you can put stuff in, and it's going to be manned. People will take payments, and you get paid for your stuff. So, so it'll be good. I'm going to make a bunch of these payback knives and put them in the shop, and, and just see what happens. It's it's never going to make a lot of money, but it's it's a good way to sort of integrate with with the village around here. You know. It's a great idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. Super, super smart. Yeah, that's like, that's awesome. And what, what I awesome. did notice I'm making these knives that I've never finished a knife with full G10 handles. So I use G10 on all my knives as, you know, as liners, but I've never done a full G10 handle. Um, and these ones are, these, these have got the, they got like the French trickler, then they've got this blue handle. Um, and I've, I've never done it before. And I was surprised how much like a thick piece of G10 heats up. When you're grinding away. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? You, you want to use sharp belts? Yeah, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Change yeah. the belts out a lot, but yeah. All, all this time, I, I hadn't realized. I've never actually used G10 just flat out. You know, only as liners before, which was uh, yeah. So, any tips you've got on finishing G10 would be uh, I'd appreciate. It's it's a lot easier than my my Carta. Mm. It finishes a lot easier, to, as far as I'm concerned. I think it. I think it. You know, I love. That's all I use. I love it. I, yeah, and that yeah. and. Uh, I use can, tan canvas micarta, but other than that, that's all G10, 100%. I oh, love it. Is. Yeah. So do you take it to sort of 
so 800 by hand, then buff it. What, what, what's your finishing uh, regime? I usually rough it out on the two by uh, the two by 72 with uh, probably at the end of the day on the two by 72, maybe two, uh, 200 grit. Hmm. I do a lot of uh, just kind of finishing with the, uh, the disc sander to about 200. And then, I mean, I start hand sanding at like, uh, I start hand sanding it at a, probably if I have to rough something, especially the underneath, you know, the underneath is kind of tough sometimes. So, I'll start, you know, I'll do the finish uh, shaping with like 60 grit and then I'll just bump, I'll bump right to 200. And once I get to 200, uh, I'll go 200 uh, to 400 to 800 to 1500 and then I buff. Oh, nice. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, once you get past the 200, I mean, you're just chasing scratches. Yeah. So. yeah. Cool. But, okay. it, you know, I love it. I I, I love it. I, I love it. It's just real. I think it's real, real, real easy to sand. The only, the only thing that I, the only thing I don't like is is sometimes when you're using uh, Corby bolts, if you're if you're if you're using a like uh, they have these specific uh, bolts, uh, they have these specific uh, countersinks for the Corbys. Yeah, yeah. If they're if the if the drill part isn't exact with the um, the hole, what happens? It wobbles a little bit, and then it kind of like it dis it it, it discolors the size of your the out the outer ring of your hole. So all of a sudden you you have to fight a little bit you have to fight a little bit of distortion in the in the color. Hmm. So you got to make sure that when you're doing those Corby bolts you get real you get a really you get sharp uh, countersinks, but also you're not wobbling in the hole because it it really kind of screws up your fit, yeah. especially with lighter colored stuff like lighter colored handle material really makes you see it a lot easier. Do you do you when you drill your Corby's? Do you just go straight? Or, or sorry, let me back up really quick. Are you doing a five sixteenths head or a quarter inch head? I do a five sixteenths Corby bolt. Yeah, yes, quarter, okay, quarter inch for me. Yeah. So do you pile it with like an eighth inch and then follow it with the Corby countersink, just so you already have a well, hole that your countersink can follow perfectly? I'll, or I'll I'll whatever the hole in my tang is. And I can't think of the exact number. Oh, right. uh, so go. I'll make, I'll make, I, and I, it's not, I don't have that exact drill size. So I'll make the drill, the, my, on the, on the tang, on the, on the, on the, ta- on the steel tang, yeah. I'll make the hole that fits the, um, the pipe. receiving end, receiving end that fits the receiving end of the, of the Corby, the, bolt, the uh, nut. Damn right. There he is. He's not that hungover. He's ready for, <laughs> he's ready for a little bit of <laughs> a little shaft joke. So so then when I'm drilling through the handle, I'm using the exact size of the shaft, which is also going to be the first uh, thickness of the um, the step uh, countersink. Yeah. And then once that countersink is kind of riding flush through the, the uh, that hole, it's going to not wobble, and I'm going to get a clean cut for the uh, the Corby bolt. Right. Yeah, that's the one thing that I think that people don't realize is that you really do need the uh the correct size drill bit and sometimes they wear away sometimes the drill bit if it starts to get uh dull it'll actually make the hole a little bit smaller so your corbys are too tight to fit in and you're like fighting it and you're wondering why mm-hmm. it's fighting in but yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But they, they normally come in sets anyway don't they with a pilot drill and with with the corby drill then <clears throat> well you gotta you gotta buy i mean you know you, a lot of these places you buy corby bolts and sometimes they'll say if you if you like that maybe you should get yeah. the the, yeah. the corby bit and it makes a huge difference yeah. 
What about but you, Mareko? Yeah, what we haven't seen Mareko in a, quite a while. No. How yeah. are you? What's going on? Doing good. I'm doing good. I, uh, you know, so thank you guys for mentioning my auction. It did, it did do well. Uh, last week, uh, what is it, that finished it? That finished on the third, um, which was my son's birthday. So that was a nice, fun way to celebrate that day. Everything was really mm-hmm. successful. I, um, I did this funny thing. <clears throat> Charles Leinhart, Charles Ellis, he did this thing where he's flipping some a chunk of steel around um, on his Instagram a while back, and so I was like, "Oh, fun! I'll I'll do my tong flare that I whenever I'm forging, I'm just I'm always holding my tongs and flipping them around, and I always did that with anything. Whenever I was a kid, like when I was a kid growing up, I would flip all kinds of shit around, um, and then. Uh, what was it? Scale burns and stale memes made fun of me for that. <laughs> Calling it like oh, yeah. Bally Tong or something like that. Yeah. And you got uh, a good ribbon for it. Yeah, you got a good ribbon for it. It felt I felt famous. I felt I felt important wow. for a I mean, short yeah. period of time. And then uh, As we know that I, it's not me, by the way. It's, I didn't <laughs> I, I I'm not scale burns and stale memes. People seem to still think that. Yeah, I think That's it's exactly. I think it's Will Stelter, isn't it? I think we, we all know it's it Will is Will Stelter. It is Will Stelter. It is Will, it is Will Stelter. Yeah. Uh, I did Pattern Wild Wednesdays last week for the first time. Uh, or sorry, not last week, but the week before. Uh, for the first time in a long time. And really went into depth. So if anybody missed that, you can check that out on my Instagram highlights. I made sure to save that up there. So uh, oh, anybody can use that as a, as, a, as a reference. Uh, what else? No, I made some... My, my sister-in-law's birthday was coming up last week. So I made some earrings out of some... Um, some wood scrap material. I always, I always feel like a hoarder because I have all this shit laying around that's all scrap. See a hoarder, a hoarder. Okay, good. Not a whore. Uh, I feel like oh. a hoarder because <laughs> I'm. I always have all this scrap laying around, and I promise myself someday I'm going to use this. But I, I, from time to time, I do use this, especially the wood scraps for earrings. And I bought all this. Uh, you know, we have a, like a little a crafty bead store or whatever and they have all the jewelry hardware so i bought a bunch of stuff a while back and i and i've been thinking about doing actually earrings from time to time because while a lot of the guys are into the knives you know i'm sure a lot of them have wives who like wearing earrings or even maybe some of the guys like wearing earrings for all i know but uh so i think i'm gonna we're gonna start doing some of those um I'm just like scrolling back through my highlights. You know, I, I just finished up another knife that was actually kind of a rush. And it's a first for in a couple different ways for me. And uh, I'm glad that everything, this is one of the few knives in the last year and a half that have gone perfectly smoothly. There weren't any hiccups or any issues. And um, so the uh, it was a Sanmai Damascus or Damascus Sanmai chef's knife. And um, but I... I did a hamon on this blade, which doesn't necessarily serve it in the aesthetic of the finished blade, but um, it, it was going to a, 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 grad, a CIA grad. That's the Culinary Institute of America uh, there in Hyde Park, actually, just down the street from you, Jeff, or I guess up the, up yeah. the, up the rail. Yeah, from I know. You. And <laughs> been uh, there. you've been I, that place before. I was in a you've been there. there. I know. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Yeah. And uh, so she just graduated from there, and uh, it was a very special uh, piece for her because they actually supplied me with wood from uh, their from their property um, because her parents were buying it for her, and uh, it was a tree that she used to play in when she was a kid. So I, I had this very limited 
amount of wood and material and <laughs> it was kind of stressing me out a little bit but I was able to pull things through and uh so not only did I do the the homone on Damascus for the first time and you can't necessarily do that with every Damascus you got to make sure you're making the Damascus from uh steel that is shallow hardening so that's usually most 10 series steels as well as w2 and this one was made from 1095 and 15 and 20 and then a, a shallow hardening 1084 core um but the other thing that i did different and i just posted this up late late last night um it was this uh the saya so they asked me to make a saya to, to accompany it and i love i like the ideas the idea of size, but I hate how, uh, for me, the, the way the saya as a sheath goes around the knife, really the, the, the kind of like the spine side of the saya, it, the way it disrupts the line from the handle into the saya, um, it always trips me out or not. I don't know. It just bugs me. I don't like that. It's interrupted and it mm. steps up, you know? And so, um, a couple sayas ago, I had this uh, thought of how I could try to integrate or kind of make a modification of the saya so that it, it was uninterrupted and it flowed perfectly straight down the handle or spine of the handle and then down the spine of the knife flowed without any interruption, no step up or anything. And, um, I experiment a lot on my stuff and I probably shouldn't, uh, especially, I mean, I've, I, I, I'll, I'll play with finishes on completely finished knives that are ready to be mailed out. I'm like, Hmm, let me just try this one thing because it's the only knife Dangerous. I have. I have this thought and I'm like, <laughs> and it's the only knife that I have that's laying around. That's ready to, to try that out. And, um, yeah, that's, it's not always necessarily the greatest idea. So, um, Anyhow, I I decided with this Saya, which I only had enough material for one go to try this. And fortunately, I thought it through well enough that it worked out the first try. And uh, I hadn't done it before, but I just posted it up. If you go check it out, um, it looks, I'm really happy with the result. And, um, and what's nice is that it's also slightly open on the spine of the Saya. And so it, it creates an actually a larger opening to kind of slide the knife into. It's easier access to slide it on and slide it off. And I actually think because of the pressure fit of, or the kind of the friction fit of the Saya that it would, it would be fine actually without the pin and it could be almost mm. like a, a custom fit edge guard in a way. So mm. anyhow, um, yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Awesome. I, that's what I've been up to awesome. the last couple of weeks. So awesome. There yeah. you go. There you go. Nice. Just a bit of an update actually, because I'm as as we're speaking, I'm just because I'm unprepared today, extremely unprepared. Um I'm looking for my um community showcase. So I'm just flicking through Instagram now. And I can see somebody's done a Shokanin series knife. Um they call it the Shokanin, the knife. Anyway, that's by the by. Um have we got any news? Hello, this is the news. Listen to me. I have a question. Here's the here here. I think we're going to do something. This as you know, if it were the news, I'm going to be a little bit of a reporter. Uh, I want to check in with Craig and on a on a scale of one to ten, on a scale of one to ten, on if you're going to throw up, where are you at? I say I'm a, I'm a 
good 7.2 at the moment. 7.2? I think that... Just taking some tablets. I'm hoping to keep these down at least. Sort my head out. Throughout the podcast, we're going to have... Mareko, you and I are going to have to check in with him every so often. That sounds good. To find out... We got it on a scale of 1 to 10 because (laughs) Amy had said that you were an 11. But and I thought that was extreme. I thought that was extreme. I asked what it tended. All right, so here we are in the news. All right, so far, you know, Hurricane Craig is a seven point two, and uh, he hasn't thrown up yet. We're going to monitor the situation. This is the news, so this is the important news of the day. Um, Mareko, do you have any news? I do have some news. All right, so I'm looking at my Artisans of Steel calendar, and it's telling me that this coming weekend, August 16th and 17th, is the Central Kentucky Knife Club Show in Lexington, Kentucky. And then, actually, I'll just do the rest. Uh, the following weekend is the Mid-American Hammering in Troy, Ohio, Ohio, uh, USA, which is a three-day event on the 23rd, 24th, and the 25th. And then after that, is The Gathering in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. That's the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st. That's interesting. That's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday show. I wonder why. I wonder why and they P.S., P.S., Nate Zimmerman, that's not a Dungeons & Dragons thing, I don't think. I think it's a hammer-in. It's, the Gathering is, in, is a hammer-in. It's not a Dungeons & Dragons thing. Is it? Just okay. Wanted to, I it mean, I'm just like assuming. one of those teen movies, you know, where one of them's a vampire or something. The yeah. Gathering. That's, that's yeah. Nate. So don't, Nate, don't buy your tickets to, don't, he's a big uh, Dungeons & Dragons guy. Nate, it's not for you. <laughs> Anything else? Any other dates? No, that's it. That, that was till the end of the month. I love adding the dates. I love that you add the dates. I think it's great. It's a great way to kind of, there you go. Go get, hey, you know, you know putting these damn dates into the calendar was a huge pain in the ass, so I might as well make use of them. Yeah, good for you. Listen, <laughs> hey, listen, it's great. I, you know what? It's not only that. I'm sure it was a pain in the ass for the people to commit to dates because I can't imagine committing to a year in advance on oh, a yeah, date. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Well, I'd like to make a little bit of news. It's uh, my friend, and I've talked about him before, uh, Cliff Dufton, CJ Dufton, has started to make. Um, guillotine tools and i just wanted to talk about guillotine tools uh i love guillotine tools are it's like a small tool that usually fits over your anvil it's got a bottom die and a top die and it's it's not a press it's not a power hammer what it's supposed to do is it the dies are usually like um inch and a half two inches by half inch you have a bottom and a top and what you do is when you're forging anything you lift up the top die slip the hot piece of steel in between the dies and then with your hammer you hit the top die and then it makes an incision and if you go to CJ Dufton's Instagram he's done a lot of he's done uh center punches and scribes he actually did a doghead hammer with um the incision that he used for his guillotine tools and he's going to start to make guillotine tools and he's just kind of testing the waters in regards to people's interest. I've in the, and the interesting thing is in regards to the news is he and I've been talking about him for a while. I had it. I love my guillotine tool, but the problem is is my guillotine tool fits over the hardy hole, and what happens is when you're hitting, you're hitting directly down on the hardy holes, and the hardy hole is not the center mass of the anvil. He's starting to make his guillotine tools so they're actually you can mount it to your uh, hardy hole. But it's perched out, so it's almost sitting in the middle of your anvil, which mm. is you get all of a sudden you you know you're not flopping around or anything like that. The yeah. other thing is is he started to do um he's been talking to Steve Schwartzer a lot, and he's been up here and we've been doing a lot of forging, and he's getting interested in how the guillotine tool can help um people forging um 
uh, integral knives. So like oh, that yeah. connection between the bolster to the blade, the connection between the bolster to the tang, um, being able to do kind of a brute to forge style. He likes the idea of like, if you, if we know our friend, um, colony knife works, that dude makes a beautiful, um, integral knives Andrew. where the, uh, yeah, dude, he makes that beautiful transition where he doesn't have to grind anything. It's all forged. It's a beautiful transition. I think that, um, um, Craig's trying to address that, uh, and I think that uh, I'm not Craig. I'm, I only said Craig because I think there's some movement in the background. I'm wondering if he, if Craig snuck off for a barf. Craig, you still there? I'm, I'm here. I'm here. He was <laughs> right. not your mind. I heard. I, I, anytime I hear a squeaking chair, I'm thinking he's fucking off to throw up. So, so, uh, so Cliff's really focusing on uh, how his guillotine tools will help um, knife makers. So that that's really kind of cool and. Go follow him, and he's going to be making... I'm actually getting the first one, by the way. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, of course, so. obviously. Of, yeah, well, no, you, Al, you know, that's... You know, I, that's part we, of the I, deal. I, I helped it, well, <laughs> well, I'm not really a deal. I mean, I'm paying for it, but no, it's I'm like I'm just... Man. You know, Cliff is Cliff is one of those guys that, like, he's, uh, he's an extraordinary... Uh, I mean, blah, 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 blah. So that's it on Knife Talk News. Uh, and just to finish off the, the this segment, Craig, what's your number? How you feeling? Yeah. It's rise at seven point six. It's rise. Do you do you, do you have a uh, garbage can next to you, just in case? I'm, I'm next. I'm literally set up next to the sink. I've got a big thing of oh. water with me. Um, oh. I, I'm ready, but I will mute the mic. I won't. I won't put that on anybody. Um, what were you? <laughs> Damn it! All right. Well, there you have it. So the hurricane's coming closer to the coast. Everybody, yeah. buckle in. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> That's the best way to end that segment. <laughs> hey, Mareko, what, what? How's everything going with our good sponsor? Combat oh, we're going into that. Okay. Yeah, uh, don't edit us. Sh- don't edit the thing, Craig. <laughs> I need every little noise you make. Please. This is like a really well rehearsed show. This one, isn't it? It's falling apart. Yeah. The <laughs> this is my favorite. This is my favorite. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to take <laughs> oh, a those, oh, the last noise. Oh. Sorry. (laughs) I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsors at Combat Abrasives. Uh, They want to help you out, save a little bit of cash. If you go to combatabrasives.com and type out, uh, you know, go find what you need. They got glue, they got abrasives, they got all kinds of stuff. Um, But make sure that you type in Knife Talk 10. Um, when you check out, because they're going to save you 10%. Combat has been an awesome sponsor of the show. They've really helped a lot of people. It's been really, I've been really enjoying actually seeing not only what, uh, you know, when people get their combat box full of abrasives and whatever else they get, but also the kind of stuff that people are, uh, you know, capable of doing and just how happy everybody is with their abrasives. Except for somebody over at Vegas Forge, they like ground a chunk of their thumb out. Um, yeah, oh, and it, it, it's you know, I mean, the belts are sharp, and they're they're rotating at very high revolution, so it doesn't take much time or much pressure to lose a bit of. Anyways, yeah. sorry, combat. I didn't mean to do that. Anyways, go <laughs> check out. Yeah, combat abrasives. They'll grind your fucking hand off. All now, right, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> combat abrasives. Knife Talk 10 at checkout. Go check them out at CommonAbrasives.com. There you go. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, so every week, Jeff puts up, during the week, um, he puts up a little post asking for questions from our listeners. 
Um, so we're just going to jump straight in. Um, Jeff, do you want to take the first one? <laughs> I know why we're jumping straight in because Hurricane Craig is coming <laughs> close to the clo- close <laughs> to the coast. <laughs> if I fake puke, will right. that make you puke? Oh, no. God, please. The, 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 <laughs> the, thought, the thought of somebody's thumb being ripped off earlier was just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first question comes from Joseph Maximilian. Hey, guys, I'm just starting out, and I've been looking to get a vice. Why do most makers I see use a pole vice versus a regular bench vice? Mm. Now, he's talking about a leg vice, a post vice, mm. yeah. um, and I... Actually, when I read this question, I reached out to a guy who is very versed in vices. And I actually, I was surprised at the answer. I reached out to, uh, by the way, I, I get this guy's name wrong all the time. His name's Chris Cash. His Instagram handle is MT underscore Philip underscore metal underscore works. Mount Philip metal works. I've tried to get him to change his name. To Chris Cash Tools, he ain't doing it. That's is, the way it is. So works one one word. Well, his that his Instagram handle is Mount underscore Philip underscore Metal underscore Works. Don't talk to him about it. Just get him to. I, I try to send people to him all the time, and I can't get the goddamn address. So there you go. So actually, Chris <laughs> deals in a lot of tools, and I asked him what he thought, and this was very interesting. He wrote to me, he says, one of the more obvious reasons for a leg vice over a bench vice is a, the leg running down to the ground to absorb the impact of any striking you may do on this vice. So one of the things about a leg vice is it has a pole that goes all the way to the ground, and that helps you absorb strikes if you're striking on the anvil. The next thing is the second reason is the lead screw and the bell nut are floating in a leg vice, which also means any impact to the vice never transfers to the threads or the bell nut. As opposed to a bench vice, where the retaining nut and the lead screw are usually locked down tight. So the reason why that it floats in the thing, it gives you a little bit of uh, impact so it doesn't destroy your belt. And the last thing is, he says, the lead screw, uh, the lead screw thread count on a leg vice is always a lot lower than that on a bench vice. Meaning the jaws on a leg vice open and close a lot faster with less turns the handle. And then the fourth reason is uh, there's a, they're a lot better looking than uh, the hand-forged ones, and they're overlooked as household everyday tools. So that's interesting. I never knew that. That um, yeah, I did, you know, When you're using a leg vise, usually it's you're trying to get a hot piece of steel into a vise quick. And if you have less uh, lower thread count, that means you can close it and open it much quicker, which makes a lot yeah. of sense. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That was good. I never knew that. Yeah. I'm super pumped. I mean, I just use, because I don't do any forging anyway, so I'm never whacking stuff in a vice. I just got, on my bench, I've got, on each corner, I have a vice, and they're just cheap, cheap vices, but they've just got different faces. So one's just a, a metal face, one's got a rubber face, one's got a leather face, and the other one's got this, like, these changeable faces. So on each corner of my bench, I've got a vice. Um, but yeah, they're, they're nothing special. They're, you know, they're cheap, cheap, small vices. I wish I was I, ready with, you, the, uh, with the, with the, chainsaw sound effect when you said leather face yeah you think I was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah leather face <laughs> right. there you go leather face actually i love a i love i was always told that you're not supposed to forge on on a leg vice because it's not good for the vice i'm gonna have to talk to chris because i have to figure out a way to even up my my the jaws of my leg vice i got a great leg mm. vice uh, uh, it's mounted on a post to a plate so i can move it around on the floor 
I have to figure out, I got to talk to him about how I can f- uh, get the teeth kind of, they're a little bit off. I want to get them squared away. I wonder if, closer, but I, I wonder if be- because they don't line up, if they're not actually the original pair, if they're, if one um, couple got scabbed together. I, it could be, it didn't seem like that. I, I, it doesn't seem like they're, it seems like they are. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you can take it all apart. I'm right. just too, like, it looked like a can of worms, to be honest with you. But I know that, uh, I know that he does recondition leg vices, Craig, uh, uh, Craig, uh God damn it. Chris does a lot of awesome. He sells a lot of leg vices, and I, I think they're great. I think they're really awesome. You know what? I like prob- the idea that they come out oh, quick. Oh, sorry. You like the idea what? I like the fact that they open up quickly. The one thing yeah. is is they don't swivel. So, like, if you mounted mm-hmm. your, your leg vice to a uh, bench, you can't swivel. I usually put my bench vices on the corners of the tables so that I can swivel it from, you know, to, I can do a 90-degree depending on how what I'm working on. It sounds like so another project for uh, seat for... Cliff, Cliff Dufton. Oh yeah, the old ninety degree leg vice. There you go, Chris. Chris Cash. You know what you should do? Oh, like here that. comes. Here <laughs> comes. I think close. we should now start calling. By the way, I started thinking about it. Anytime <laughs> someone says, "You know what you should do?" You should refer. You should say, "Oh, here comes the savior." I think that seems like <laughs> because that. I think that might stop. I, oh, thank. Oh, the savior's here. I think that might stop. You know what you should oh, do? Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um. Well, I was just going to say, close the damn leg vice. <laughs> Go ahead. Close the damn leg vice and hit it with your angle grinder. Done. Oh, man. You just made some people cry. The blacksmiths <laughs> don't like that at all. Don't like that at all. all Do right. either of you use any of those um, knife-making vices, those sort of like uh, rounded things, and you can spin them round in a collar, that kind of thing? I used one at, at Florentine Kitchen Knives, and I hated it. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I okay. I actually kind of feel the same way. I've I've used I tried it one time when I first started out on my own. I did not like it, and it, it basically it just doesn't make sense for how I do things. It makes sense right. if you if you're you know uh, kind of doing the hand sanding with uh, you know a strip of sandpaper to help contour the handles and stuff. Um, but if you're not doing that, and I never do that. There's literally no purpose. I, I just, I have no reason to use one. And um, I, I tried, I, I can't even remember what I was trying to do with the damn thing. But somebody, you know, somebody had one. Oh, you should try this out. It's great. And I'm like, cool. Tried it. I, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing with this. I have no use for this. I have the regular straight bench vices, but I got one of those plumber's vices that kind of, that it doesn't swivel, but it rotates. Yeah, I sure. do like that. I do like that. Um but uh, there you go. Vice talk. I I see though. I think a lot of people get a good, good a lot of good use out of them. Yeah. Okay. The next question, moving on, is from Craft Book. I think. Hey, cuties. I was wondering if you do anything to make your knife making more eco friendly, or if there are some parts to knife making that can't be eco friendly. Stay sharp, lads. I like this question a lot. Well, it's because oh, you're in. you're doing the. Uh... You're doing the, the meat tray handles, aren't you? Yes. So, um, re- yeah, re- recycled handles, I think, are one thing. Um, and I think also, you know, your handle materials, if you're using wood, for example, um, try and use local wood. It not only adds to the story of the knife, but, you know, it, it stops people flying bits of wood all around the world. Um, and certainly, you know, a lot of people like using really sort of rare hardwoods as well. And I'm not sure if that's a problem, you know, 
going going forward, whether the you know forests have been cut down specifically for this reason. Um, but yeah, try and use local wood if you can. Um, little things like using plastics plastics in the shop. I've I'm basically not using any sort of single use plastic now. Um, my my glue is being mixed up in silicon uh, like cupcake uh, molds. They're perfect. Yep. You can just pop the old glue back out and use them again. Um, I'm using wooden spreaders for for uh, spreading glue, and I can just grind off the old glue and keep using them until until they're gone. Um, but yeah, but at the end of the day, we we make stuff, so we're, we're going to have an impact in some way because you know we need to get materials, and you know we don't always have a say in how these materials are produced or whatever. Um, but there's there's small things you can do around the shop. I say single use plastic, get rid of that, um, and just be conscious of you know what you're using and where you're getting it from. I think. Yeah. P.S. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. if you if listener, this is for the listeners. If you if you rewind to the beginning of this question, I had this gurgling belch that really kind of like irked. It just kind of like oozed out of my throat, oh, and it was like this, this really bad one. Much better. And thanks, it, it wasn't. But I wanted oh. you to know that I wanted you to know, listeners, that it wasn't it wasn't Craig. It was me. Oh. So if you listen back, <laughs> if you listen back to a little gurgling, you might think, "Oh, Craig's about gurgling. to lose it." That was just, that was me. That was me. That was me. I apologize. So yeah, back to I just, but there you go. Uh, well, to add to what Craig was saying, um, I think I, I've I've made one hundred percent recycled material knives, and I think the biggest key is knowing what you're working with, especially when you're doing the steel. But I I really love, I like it a lot actually. Um, the I, I just think that it adds to the story, like Craig was saying. Uh, I, I've, you know, I've repurposed what is it, spherical bearings from uh, large, you know, large machinery like a like a bulldozer kind of uh, bearings. Uh, I've gotten handle material that was sourced from an Olympia brewery that used to be part of like their faux barrel cabinetry that they would have behind the bar. Um, and along with that is some of the brass banding and just, I, I really like um, that, that kind of repurposing and kind of upcycling, I guess, of materials and yeah, anything you can do uh, to to make use of those kind of materials, all, all it does is add to the story, to the narrative of um, the thing, the piece that you're making. And usually, you know, people really love love that part of what we're doing is the storytelling, and it helps people connect with what you're doing better, and kind of just makes it easier to sell things. Hmm. I'm but still that's waiting. also sorry. Ahead, I'm sorry. still waiting for somebody to come up with an idea. You know how to use worn out belts in some way um, somebody made oh, a bench say, did you see that really no so after, after i made the joke about making a chair somebody actually built one <laughs> i uh-huh. can't remember, oh, and then we, I can't and remember then who it the, was yeah somebody that was the chair that's right yeah. yeah if that was you post it up again tag us knife talk we'll share yeah. that back up definitely uh one of the great things in terms of like just being caught being um conscious of what you're using is you know blacksmith the whole idea behind forging was back in the day they didn't have a whole lot of steel lying around they didn't have uh companies selling steel so they had to be very economical with the material that they had so when you're forging like i was explaining integral bolsters to uh integral knives to uh bantam tools i'm about to do a project with bantam tools and when they were looking at the for- at the forged knife they were because they're doing uh, cnc machines they were just in their mind, they were like, all right, well, you need a two inch block by an inch block by, you know, two inch by an inch by 15 inches to make this knife. 
and they're thinking they're just completely thinking about reduction. And I was explaining that no, no, you have a certain amount of mass, and you're man, you're manipulating the mass to kind of not be wasteful, really. Yeah. And it, it is that in itself is a way to be eco-friendly. But then I'm thinking, ah, yeah, but you're burning all this propane, and you're you, you know you are you know there is our give and take. I I do try to be uh, very. Uh, honest with how i throw things out i'm very i'm not i try not to be wasteful we don't i don't do there are no plastic bottles in my shop anymore after neil camamora did that uh bottle chop thing i i uh, we don't buy i try to limit the plastic i buy uh or at least reuse it a lot uh even when i go to the, the hardware store i don't take uh bags if i don't need to and then uh you know I use I try to use the sandpaper to the end i try to really not be wasteful with that and the idea of being conscious of what you're doing nice all right this next one is from prime artisan knives it says uh if you could have the power of any avenger for just one day <laughs> what power would that be and what uh what would bad wait what what would bad shit would you do oh my god so what bad shit would you get would into you get up to oh my god i was trying to that wasn't it. you that wasn't you that wasn't <laughs> you it was there was a couple woods in there it was yeah that was it. Wasn't you? Go okay. ahead, Craig. If you could be an Avenger, and that's a comic book guy, what would yeah, you be? I, 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 I don't know the comic stuff, the Avengers and that. I don't know. Is there a? I'd stop time so I could just sleep for you know fourteen hours a day, oh. and I'd still have enough time to do what I needed when I woke up. Is that a, is that a stop time man in Avengers? I don't know. I'd, stop I'd be, time man. There's, I'd a, be there's a no hangover man. You want to be him? <laughs> that, would, that would work too. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. hangover, man. Yeah, I'd no, be no hangover, man. Not into Avengers, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I don't really get it. Get it? But yeah, if there's a stop time, man. <laughs> there's not. You don't there's not, get there it. Needs to be. You, you don't get superheroes. The concept about superheroes. I get. I get a concept, but I, you know, I'm 40 years old. I know what people can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> This is no nonsense, man, right here. He doesn't want any of this bullshit, man. He's feeling sick to I'm feeling sick to my stomach, man. And I'm not interested in your horseshit, man. That's what this is. Mareka, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, I've always loved Spider-Man. And, Grow um, up, Mareka. At, at, least, at least in the last few, in the last few uh, Avenger movies, Spider-Man's been a big part of it. And so I would, I would love to be Spider-Man for a day. Uh, that Craig Craig's no nonsense man is my favorite. And the funny thing is, oh, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's uh that's the incredible Ralph. Right that's there. what you get, All right. Craig. <laughs> Shitting on my Spider-Man uh, dreams. Fine, look. All look, right, you know what. I will Jeff. say that I, I'm a little bit, I, you know, when I was a kid, I liked superheroes, and then all of a sudden, I decided I like my science and my fiction separated. So I, I think that if there was a uh, realistic man or a reasonable man, I would go with that. Someone who's able to solve their problems with, you know, flapping their lips and, you know, conflict resolution man, as opposed to, you know, beating the shit out of people all the time. That's Dr. Strange. a great that, film. That would, <laughs> You're that Dr. Would be, Strange. Yeah, yeah. Not to be <laughs> Doctor Strange. That's a good one. Not to be confused with the arch nemesis, uh, Doctor Unnecessary. Doctor Unnecessary is someone <laughs> who goes on the internet and makes tries to hurt your feelings, and then uses his secret identity to get a selfie with you out in public. That motherfucker right there is. I'm, oh. I've had it with him. There you go. 
All right. <laughs> is this, really the, bad. Is this really the conflict bad. you were talking about earlier? The altercation? No, 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 no. no. Just, right. you know, once in a while we get people that, you know, they have some things to say. And then the next thing you know, they're all nice when they meet you in public. So it's uh-huh. you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fine. That's the Avenger. Uh, unnecessary, man. All right. So the next question comes from Get Lost Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Uh, how come I see makers putting all sorts of compound on their belts before grinding? What is it that they're doing, and do you guys do it? Thanks. Sometimes we see, I know uh, our friend from South Africa, or not South Africa, somewhere in Africa, Ross Voslo, he took some old belts, and he was putting compound on them to, I think he was using, he changed a dead belt into like a buffer, or like a, like a mm-hmm. polishing belt. Sure. I use what one of those cleaning that? sticks to, to, you know, if I'm just like profiling a blade or something, um, I just try to get as much life as I can out of a belt. Um, and I use one of those cleaning sort of sticks, which are, I think it's like a waxy kind of stuff, and it just cleans all the debris out of the belt. So it doesn't re- resharpen the belt, it just cleans all the shit out of them. Right. Um, but I was looking, funny enough, just this <coughs> week at these, the cork belts. Um, you can get these cork belts for, you know, getting like mirror finishes straight off the belt, straight off the grinder. And they use some sort of compound. Um, so when you first get the cork belt, you need to treat it before you can use it. And it sort of soaks into the, uh, into the, into the cork and makes mm. it, you know, gives you a really high polish. So I think I'm going to order some this week, actually. So I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. But yeah, I don't really use any other compound unless it's on the, on the buffing machine. Then. I well, got a little tr- Oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry, got I got something? a little trick. I got a little trick that I learned from Tomer at Florentine Knives. I don't like his vice, but I do like this advice. He sometimes when he's using a Scotch Bright belt, he sprays WD forty on it while it's running. Oh, and yeah, what sure. that does is that keeps the steel cooler while you're running it across the belt, so you can actually go a little slower on the Scotch-Brite belt. So while the Scotch-Brite belt is running, he's spritzing WD-40 all over that belt while it's running, and he gets it soaked in, and it makes that... It's, it, was a, it, it lets you, it lets you on, hold on the belt longer. Mm. Hmm. Nice. Tip of the week. <clears throat> well, what I've seen with those compounds, and actually Combat Abrasives offers it. You, uh, I've seen my buddy Andreas Kalani uh, using it on his belts. But what it does is it loads up, it kind of preloads up the belt, especially with the coarser grits, like a 36 or 60. Because um, what happens, especially with wood or even steel and some uh, or, or other like the G10 handle materials, the the small particles that are getting ground off, some of them will get kind of compacted into the deeper parts of the abrasive. And so what the compound does is it loads into that belt so that it kind of preloads it and keeps the, that those small bits of debris from getting in there. Because what happens when it gets all clogged up, then you can't, it's hard to grind or keep using the belt past that area where it's just gotten all compacted with shit basically but what the grease does is it preloads it and that way that stuff doesn't go in there as you're grinding your belt the abrasive continues to wear down and break down and because it's grease or like a grease compound stick um it also wears down easily so that you can still continue to use the belt all the way down until it's absolutely dead without it getting loaded up with all kinds of stuff 
That reminds me, the last metal shop I was in, we did a ton of work with aluminum. We were doing aluminum extrusions for buildings, and we did a lot of aluminum work. And when we were cutting the aluminum with the uh, circular saws, or we were grinding them with uh, grinding uh, discs, we were constantly using wax and grease to coat the aluminum because it would keep the the discs, you know, the four and a half inch grinding discs, or it would keep the, uh, the blades from getting, uh, yeah, bound up by the aluminum. So that yeah. makes a hundred percent sense. And it was like to the point where, you know, we would be just burning through, uh, discs on the aluminum because the aluminum just kept on, um, you know, filling up. So yeah, yeah. that's it. Well, Perfect. and yeah. And it's, I think this grease stick that, co- uh, combat cells, it's not like the kind of grease that you would grease like zerks with like greasy grease it's like a grease wax mix um that way it's not making a big old nasty greasy mess on your grinder but yeah yeah all right this next one is from uh alchemical cutlery he says uh when does when wait when doing brass liners under the scales they keep separating during final shaping i've tried laying it cool using more slash less uh aggressive belts uh, different epoxy pins versus Corby's. Cheers a bunch. Thanks for all the fish. <laughs> okay. I had a nightmare when I first started doing these. So, um, yeah, I was finding exactly the same thing. If you if you were uh, epoxying them, that the heat would just because obviously copper uh, copper and brass they'll um, the heat will just you know rip through them really quick. They'll just stay yeah. really hot as well. Um, so what I ended up doing was, um, we talked about this in the past as well, using Corby's, so don't put any adhesive on at all to begin with. Stick them to your tang with Corby's, um, grind the Corby's down flat, um, and actually grind them lower than the way your handle will be. So that your Corby's are sort of, they're not sticking out in any way. And then just use an angle grinder and stick a new slot on. So you've got this almost like a hidden Corby. Um, shape everything, shape all your your handles with your liners so everything's nice and flush. Then, because you've got these sacrificial corbies, you can uh, take the handle back off, then put epoxy on everything, put your real corbies back in, and grind back down, and you, you should be good. So you only need a, you know the tiniest like, like finishing touches, really, once you put that everything is, back together. That is definitely the move, Craig. That is yeah. awesome yeah. advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only or way. Cause I, I was chasing my tail for weeks, and you know sometimes I'd get them to stick. You know, but then I was thinking you know, that was luck more than anything else, and I wasn't really happy sending those knives out because you know they probably would come unstuck at some point. So yeah, that's that's the way that works for me. Or get comfortable with a big old rasp. Get a get a get a file, and you know, do use that. Yeah. Another thing to think of as well with with copper and brass liners because typically they're going to be quite thin. Um, if you're cutting them on a on a like a bandsaw, you're gonna have this horrible burr. So make sure you get rid of all the burrs before you try and put stuff together. Otherwise, you're gonna have these voids, um, which which is never a good thing. That's it. All right, there you go. How, how's that, the? Uh, are you feeling all right, Craig? Oh yeah. What's uh, what's uh, what's the level? What's the level? Where your what's your level at? Steady down. seven, steady seven. Oh, you're you're steady you're seven. you're going down from seven six. But the thing is, the more you talk about it, that it sort of brings it back up a bit. So, oh, oh what oh, kind yeah. of beer was it you were drinking? Oh, <laughs> straight go. in. So, <laughs> was it IPA? <laughs> Dragon, oh. they don't have IPAs in France. They don't have IPAs. I don't know. Oh. It's just all pale or lagers. They're all lagers. I didn't. Cronenberg. I didn't know the French <laughs> drink beer. I thought you they only drank wine. All right, there you go. 
<laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> the next question comes from Hemker Blacksmithing. This is a young man who is out with uh, uh, Nico Nicolatis, Nicolatis in uh, in Detroit. He's an awesome blacksmith. Hey, cuties, what's the deal with furries? Do you know what a furry is? No. You don't know what a furry is? No. What's a furry? Mareka, you know what a furry is? I'm aware of what a furry is. I don't like this All question. Right, so, <laughs> why do you mean you don't like it? We're gonna you gotta you don't have a choice now. We gotta we gotta answer it. So hey, a furry, it, it, he's trying to make fun of people's proclivities. Whatever, let them do their thing. <laughs> no, he wants to know their deal. What's all right? So a furry is someone. A furry is someone who dresses up in like a mascot's. I'm under the impression like a mascot's costume, like you know, a team mascot. It's usually like some sort of animal. And they go to conventions and they, and they they interact with each other. Are these real things? People do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to hear what hungover Craig. I want to hear what hungover Craig has to say about people who dress up like animals with masks and you know the whole nine yards. And they and they get together and and uh, kibitz. They hang out. What a time to be alive, eh? <laughs> that's a good answer <laughs> is this, this like a, a sexual thing what, what, are they getting kicked I, so what, what's going on I am, I am under I am under the impression that there is some sexual proclivities <laughs> that involve uh, fooling around in those costumes too oh Jesus these people what's wrong with the people we've got, we've got big problems in the world and people are Fake bestiality is is becoming. A <laughs> oh, oh hey, hey, hey! Who just said fake bestiality? All right, well, hungover Craig's got something to say. Look, let people do, let people live their lives. That's yeah. Hemkler. Hemkler, let live people live their lives if they want to dress up and that's what they want to do. As Mareko says, I I tend to agree. If you want to be a uh, you know whatever you want to be, go ahead. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Fireman six one five two thousand. That's a hell of a name. Fireman six one five two thousand. Now you're going after the listeners. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Keep going. Hurricane Craig's building up speed. Do you guys go about drawing out the heels of it into girls? Uh, I have a hard time getting them drawn down as far as I want them. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> well, what do you, Craig? What do you do? I I I don't do any uh, integrals at all. This is a good time for me to have a little break and you two have a little chat for a few minutes. Oh, no. Here he goes. Uh-oh. All Bye. right. All right. Bye. We'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Levels got higher. Hurricane. The hurricane might have hit the coast. We'll see. We'll keep you updated. You know, I, so, I've heard eating a, a, a bunch of celery is really good for hangovers. Yeah, he's gone, man. He's gone. He's gone. He went to... Yeah, he, he went did to, step he away. Went to, <laughs> he went to York. He went to York. Dead silence. He went to... All right, You'll, yeah, well, we'll 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 keep it going while we'll answer sure. this bladesmithing question while he uh, blows chunks. Go ahead. So, what do you what do you do to keep that uh, integral? Your actually, your method is one of my favorites. Go ahead. Uh, key for me and getting the heel pulled down uh, is to pull it down sooner than later. Um, and basically, that means so when I'm forging my integral chef's knives, I'm starting with stock. That is uh, about either five eighths to three quarter inch thick, and then uh, an inch and a quarter to inch and a half inches wide. So it already has some of the width or the height that I need for my knife, for my chef's knife. 
Um, that way I'm not having to pull it all the way down from only being a one inch bar stock, which is possible. It's just a lot more work uh, yes. than I want to do. Um, so, and because I'm forging my own Damascus, I can kind of create the shape and the form that I want the material to start in. So I start with about an inch and a half wide material. I upset and drive down material to create my integral bolster, which will also become part of my tang. And then I start basically drawing out what will become the blade and, you know, drawing it out thinner than the bolster area. But before it gets too thin, so before it gets basically less than quarter of an inch or so, that's when I start focusing at the heel. And I'm only, if I'm using a power hammer, I'm just using the corners of the dies to kind of take little bites. And yeah. what you're doing is you're focusing a lot of force in that small little surface area. Uh, on, and then and what it does is it pinches out and pulls out. I call it pulling down the heel. And it literally is like you're pulling down. If it was, Think of it as if it was taffy or a Play-Doh or something. If you were to pinch it and just pull it down, it's basically, basically kind of the same thing. Except for it's hot steel. And then, and so yeah. So you want to you, you do that before it gets too thin. Now you don't want to do it too early though. Which is definitely possible. Because then you end up pulling it down way back below the heel or below the bolster and it can get really awkward. So I found through a lot of my trial and error that pulling it down at about a quarter of an inch, maybe just over a quarter of an inch. Um, but I just eyeball it. I don't measure it or anything, but um, that makes, that makes it happen. I what think that you? that's a really good distinction because if you're starting with, um, you know, an inch material inch round, I did a, a thing about with using inch round versus using a piece of rectangle when you're yeah. using a rectangular piece like you're talking about you almost have that you will you already have a head start on that heel so yeah. that was something that i learned from you back you know a few years ago in regards to that was like an eye-opener in terms of the idea of like why should we start with uh you know when you're starting with a smaller amount of material and you have to drag all that material down you end up with uh, less material. I think the other thing is, is in regards to just forging in general, I think people start to get their, their, their edges super thin because they're not actually moving as much material from the spine. Like, you know, if you're starting, right. you know, you, you got to draw when you're drawing. And that's one of the reasons why people get fish lips when they're forging. A lot of times people are too close, you know, their seal isn't hot enough and they're, they're forging too close to the tip, which makes, makes a lot of times people, uh, 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 make fish lips on when they're forging points as opposed to hitting behind where you're trying to do the point and do what's called and do what's called. Was that you, Craig? That was me. He ain't back yet. He ain't back, he ain't back yet. I think he, he is back. back. He's just keeping his, he's just holding his piece. Uh, I'm, I'm, here. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so, so there's an expression that I know that the Center for Metal Arts guys use is called pooching, and what it's what it. Or I don't know who started it, but I. It, it really is a great word to, to say what happened when you're making like hammers and stuff. If you're hitting behind the edge, it actually pushes the material through the middle, and then your middle yeah. end, you're, you you end up getting more material in the middle as opposed to fish lips where you're actually hitting close and what happens is, is the middle gets cool, the tops get are hot and then they kind of make that kind of bird's beak fish lips. But I think that a lot of times people are not, are are when they're forging, they're concentrating too much on that 
edge of the heel, and then the heel ends up getting too thin versus pulling the material down from the spine. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you, 100. percent Hurricane, right. Hurricane Craig, how you feeling? I'm yeah. good. I'm good. I just need a little walk around. That's all. I'm good now. <laughs> Are you? Uh, what's your level? And it's coming down six point five. We're looking. Good. Oh, did you? Did looking you? Uh, all right. Well, all right. I just, I just threw a whole chocolate bar down my mouth, and I think the sugar's giving me a bit of a kick. It's all good. There's, Paul, there's isolate no. that one. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steel Oz AUS um, asks. Uh, I've started delving into last year's episodes and really learning and evolving thanks to your knowledge. Yeah. So he's asking so, what what we think the next big thing in the world of bladesmithing will be. Why don't we start with Jeff? I hope it's going to be uh, uh, butterfly knife chef knives. That's what I hope. Because <laughs> actually, you know what? Then you don't have to have when you uh, chef should be able to do it. And then uh, they don't have to. They can just <clears throat> fold it up and put it in their bag. Butterfly knife chef knives. There you go. Not, you heard it here first. It's not a bad idea. It's not um, a bad idea. It's a terrible idea because you're going to see all those guys like chopping their earlobes off. So somebody, uh, Somebody's going to make one. Oh, let's see. All right. Butterfly knife, chef knives. There you go. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be somehow integrating technology into knives. Um, you know, you, you see, I mean, I mean, even now, cars know when the tires are going flat or losing some pressure. I think somehow knives are going to, uh, technology is going to be integrated in knives so that you know maybe when it's time to sharpen the blade again because it it can tell that you're it's reading too much friction or too much pressure being forced down on the blade to cut through the material you know whatever your food is and like "Mm, you're working too hard to make this happen why don't you go ahead and uh give this thing a sharpener send it to you wow i don't know Mm -hmm. something somehow integrating technology yeah i think it's technology for for the making process so i think is tools and machinery is coming down in price and then we're all going to have access to laser cutters and to you know all these kinds of things that may be out of the price range for most people um but as they're coming down and down more and more people will have access to it so i think yeah i mean having your own sort of cnc mill having your own laser cutter all these kinds of things as the prices come down we can see more and more people doing that um, and you know that that blurs the line there between handcrafted and whether you're a machinist. But you know, I think that's just the future. That's that's the way things are moving. All right, there you go. Okay, we got another one from Paul Fr. He says, "Is there a skill you would like to learn that you think would help you as a knife maker?" That's a good question. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like to spend more time. <laughs> What's that? What was that? <laughs> what was that? What? It was like an elephant Ooh, or a whale. Is that uh, your stomach, Craig? Possibly. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Did you hear that? It sounded like a Norwal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to spend more time um, sculpting handles. All my handles are pretty, um, pretty straight, and I'm basically just knocking edges off them all. Um, so yeah, I'd like I'd like to uh, spend more time getting some nice sort of faceted handles together and that kind of thing. And I think that would mm. just yeah, that would improve things a hell of a lot. Um, but it's just not part of my sort of current design of knives, you know. So as as things evolve, I'm sure I'll be doing more of that. But um, yeah, something I haven't really done at all. 
Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a skill that I'd like to develop more. Well, that's a good one. What about you, Mareko? Um, you know, actually, I have always been enamored by engraving. Fuck, you um, took mine. All right, go ahead. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, even when I worked for uh, worked for Bob, you know, uh, he had a nice uh, GRS setup, and I played with it a little bit. And actually, the first chef's knife I ever made all my own, um, I did a tiny little bit engraving on it. Um, it was a wedding gift for some friends. But anyways, um, yeah, I would love to learn how to do those kind of embellishments. And uh, it's really, I mean, it's intense what people can do. It, it's, it's, it's gotten to, it's graduated to the point where it's, it's not just cutting lines, but people are actually doing like three-dimensional sculpting using their engraver tools which just that's way beyond what i i think i'll ever be able to do because it's just it's a whole it's a it's another rabbit hole uh that you'd have to dive down and really dig into to really really get to a meaningful place with and i'm it's too late for me i'm i'm all knives right now so in damascus and so um but i don't think it's too late for you (laughs) learning some carving and engraving uh, techniques would be a lot of fun. I was going to say the same thing. I think you, I think well, that's I how you would. You, you, well, I think that engraving allows you you really be allowed to separate yourself out from other people if you're doing like you know elaborate engraving and you can, you don't have to just do the kind of floor de lis and stuff. You could really figure out how to manipulate the material. Um, for me, at this point, I would rather be. I'd like to be a better bladesmith. That's in general better blacksmith. Um, I, all, all I try to do is try to do better. I, I look at guys like Jason Knight and how he forges his kukri as far down as he can <laughs> very without having to do as much grinding. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Oh, boy, I got a lot of trouble with that. I, I, he's, he's so good at forging his fullers in and his whatever, this, that, the other thing, and to the point where all he does is, you know, after he's done – the only grinding he does is, you know, two seconds on the grinder and is ready to go. Yeah. I, I think that um, his skill is just, and other guys, um, you know, the guys who are just as much forging as possible and as little as grinding as possible is really uh, what I'd like to be better at. There you go. So let's talk about one of our sponsors, Indasa USA. Those are the guys who make RhinoWet. And boy, I tell you what, I just got some Rhino Wet and Rhino Dry, and I love it. It's great for hand sanding. It's great for your handles. It's great for, uh, it's a great sandpaper. It saves you a lot of time. It's so good that it, it's effective that it saves you time, and it's awesome. I love Rhino Wet. We've been talking about Rhino Wet for a while. Now they're on board in DOS USA, and you can go to Texas Farrier Supply. Texas Farrier Supply, they do a lot of uh, knife-making stuff, blacksmithing stuff, farrier stuff. They are selling Rhinoet sandpaper. And if you put in Knife Talk 10 in the promo code at Texas Farrier Supply, you're going to get 10% off. So go get yourself some good sandpaper. Go get that Indasa USA sandpaper, uh, Rhinoet sandpaper. Go get it. Get different grits. It's going to save you time, it's going to save you energy, and then you go to Texas Ferry Supply, Knife Talk 10, 10% off, and it's going to save you some money. So thank you, Indasa USA. Thank you, Texas Ferry Supply. We appreciate it. 
And you know, whilst you're there at Texas Farrier Supply, have a look at the other stuff. As, as Jeff said, they, they do a lot of farrier supply and stuff, obviously. Um, but they do a lot of knife and bladesmithing stuff. So go take a look. They've got um, everything you need, everything you need. And the little dirty secret is if you use that Knife Talk 10 um, promo code, you get it off your whole order, not just your Rhino Wet. So don't don't tell them I told you, but that's the secret. And and <laughs> one of the questions I get all the time: Where do you how do you dye your epoxy? I believe that if they don't have a top epoxy dye, they're going to start to get epoxy dye. So Texas Ferry Supply is where you want to go. And if you if there's something that you're looking for and they don't have it, shoot them a message. I'm sure they'll get it for you. So uh, figure it out. Texas Ferry Supply. Let's talk to him. Let's go on with a couple more questions. The next one is from Wolf Heart Ironworks. Um, what do you tell customers about maintaining their chef knives? If they are Damascus or high carbon, are there certain finishes you prefer to avoid, rusting or blemishes? It seems like people are telling people to keep the blades honed and oiled. It's too complicated for someone who isn't a chef because of the ease of stainless steels in most kitchens. He's also under the impression because of the thin edge and geometry of most chef knives, the edge is in constant maintenance. Um, do you guys find that as well? So it's a, it's a loaded question. Now. There's, there's plenty going on. Yeah, there's there, a so lot going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how to maintain a finish on a Damascus sort of high carbon blade um, and basically how to maintain your edges as well. I think that's what he's asking. I mean, <clears throat> in my experience, I'll start with the edges. The edges are actually, unless it's a high wear resistant, high carbon, um, like W2 or Crew Forge V, anything with like a carbide forming uh, element like vanadium, um, the the edges are those those make the edges more wear resistant. So they, they, you need a little bit more elbow grease to get them sharpened. Sharpened? Did I say sharded? <laughs> sharpened <laughs> and and uh, and and tuned up. But other than that, um, most high carbons, in my experience, are actually pretty straightforward to uh, sharpen if they need to be sharpened. Uh, they hold an edge really nicely. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're just they're pretty easy to maintain. Now, when it comes to the actual finish, Damascus, especially if it's made from high-carbon steel, which most Damascus is, is going to take on a patina, just like a straight-carbon steel would do. So there are measures you can take by using either like a camellia oil uh, or subaki oil um, which are easy to find and very affordable, but they help prevent the patina or you can just let the patina build up because it's unavoidable basically. Um, so I like letting the patina build up because to me it's it one, you don't lose, especially if it's Damascus, you don't lose the Damascus pattern. It's not going to cover it up and it's going to disappear. It, it just builds up on top of it. And I like patinas because they kind of, tell i don't know if this is too like woo woo or whatever but i just really like that they kind of record the history and tell the story of your use of that tool but if you want to keep it cleaned up you know there are a lot of ways to clean things up and you know, my buddy uh Coulter living good uh chef living good on instagram he does a lot of his own knife maintenance um and he's a great resource actually if you want to if you're yeah, if you want to figure out what what to do, you know, he goes through and he goes back and hand sands blades and then puts them through the coffee ed- etching technique and and all that kind of stuff to really to get that uh you know, that contrast and that pattern to pop 
And um, that's kind of why I developed it. A lot of this stuff, um, especially the coffee etching technique, is because it, it gives it puts the power back into the owner's hand to take care of that stuff on their own. Um, but I think all- that what he's saying is, is he's saying is that unless you're, you know, that how do you tell that you're, you're normal, not a chef customer? Like he's trying to talk to like regular customers, not, you know, not like high level dudes. I talk to right? them the exact same way because realistically, unfortunately, chefs as smart as they think they are, they don't know a lot of shit about knives. And, um, so I just talk to them the same way. It's it's the same the same thing for everybody. It doesn't take any special maintenance or skills, it, especially especially when it comes to sharpening and honing a knife. Like, unfortunately, like if there's also a lot of misinformation out there, and I've I've had very incredibly skilled knife uh and sorry chefs approach me with with what they thought was how you do things. And that's because that's how their chef told them to do stuff when it comes to sharpening and honing. But it was horrible knowledge that they shouldn't and things that they should not be doing. And so I think you just got to have the uh, conversation. You don't, you shouldn't have to convince somebody to use carbon versus stainless. I think like you said before, Jeff, you know, whatever's going to suit the person's life and, and fits their life, they should be using that. So if it's not carbon steel, they should be using stainless. And if that means that they're going to go somewhere else, then it's actually better for you to direct somebody to somewhere else than to convince them to use something they don't, they really don't want to use or should be using. Yeah. Hmm. That's well, the reason why I started using stainless. Yeah. That's just the, the reason why I started using stainless because, you know, people felt more comfortable with stainless. And when I talk to people, you know, I, I say this a lot. I probably sell 90% of my knives are stainless because people, I want people to be comfortable with what they have. And I try and I don't want to, I don't want to push them down a road that they're like, oh, I got to do this now. Oh, I got to buy coffee now. You know, it's like, uh, I, I just, <laughs> I like the idea of, I like the idea of giving people what they want, you know? Yeah. So rather than go through the, you know, with every customer going through the same sort of thing, I just made this video that I've put up and it just explains the difference between a carbon steel knife and a stainless knife and there is maintenance on, on you know, on both knives. Yeah. Um, and that it's not really a conversation anymore. I just, in the, in the email, it, you know, the link to the video is there and the customer can then make up their own, their own, their own decision. Yeah. T- uh, Tomer from Florentine Knives has such an awesome idea where his, his, his packaging is wrapped in paper. And on one side of the paper, it says Florentine Kitchen Knives. And the other, it's the maintenance. On the other side of the paper, it's, it's all the things you need to know to maintain a knife. It's yep. great. It's a, he's a, his packaging, his whole concept is great. And it's going to be ripped off a lot. I apologize, Tomer, but you know how it is. You're already getting ripped off all over Europe. So I've already don't, spoken don't. to Tomer about the packaging, just saying that I all can't right. come up with anything better. So I'm going to do something very similar. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, Tomer, we know who's ripping you off now. Senor, yeah. Barf- Senor Barfo. Mr. Barfo, <laughs> Craig the Barfer is going to rip you off, all right? It's, <laughs> it's Monsieur. Monsieur. Monsieur Pukey Pants. How you feeling, Craig? What's your okay. number? Okay. Um, let's just move on. Tinker <laughs> underscore Lux. Tinker underscore Lux. I'm a little gun-shy when it comes to claiming that something I've designed is original or unique. Just because I haven't found recent examples doesn't mean it wasn't done at some point. I respect this community and want to ensure that credit is given where credit is due. But how do you go about ensuring that you're not stealing ideas if you're uncertain where your inspiration comes from? 
Mm. Be honest. Be honest. And yeah. And I I always say that I always say that you know when you're when you're a sculptor or you're when you're when you're a painter you're the best artists are the ones that make slight evolutions on the work that they're doing, mm. and it's making true. Uh, not, you know, looking at a guy who does one thing and says, oh, I'm going to do that now, but making sincere evolutions on the work that you're doing. And then if somebody inspires you, credit them and be honest and be straightforward and, and you know, go to sleep f- feeling, uh, not feeling guilty. And I think there's only, we talked about this in the past again, but there's only so many ways you can make a sharp pointy thing, that, you know, so everything is going to be similar in some way. Um, but I think don't, you know, I can imagine some people, you know, looking at a knife and, and taking a photo of it and trying to replicate it at 100%. Do your own thing. Just do your own thing. Yeah. I mean, just even with this Saya that I just finished out, I've never seen anybody else do this style of Saya. But that does not mean, like you just said in this question, that it hasn't been done before. So I, I always leave a little bit of room for doubt and i you know in in my caption i was like you know this may be the first ever um but i don't really know i've never seen it done before i've i look at a lot of but again you know i look at a lot of stuff especially scrolling through instagram there are a lot of people doing really cool stuff out there and for all i know subconsciously i saw something somewhere and it inspired me um but you know i think if if you know that you've you've been inspired by something that it is not hurt you at all to tip your hat to whoever that is that inspired you because it's great yeah all right this next one is from gabe jensen 09 he says what's optimal thickness oh wait what's optimal thickness when it comes to oh okay okay it is i didn't get to answer that one though yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, you it. do it as well. <laughs> okay. Um, it, you know, I think thickness can actually be all over the place. I think, um, well, I mean, when it comes to chef's knives, you know, to within reason, I think going thicker than uh, a quarter of an inch would be ridiculous, um, especially if it's not a cleaver. I think for, like, my chef's knives, they start at around 150 thousandths of an inch, so about four mil. Um, at the transition between the blade and the bolster, but then they they have a full distal taper that dramatically tapers down to basically zero, down to the heel and as well as out to the tip. Um, I think the biggest key to uh, a high performing chef's knife is the geometry behind that primary cutting bevel. Like, so how how fine of an edge do you bring it down to, and then what does the material look like? Basically, right behind that edge, that first about three quarter of an inch to an inch of material. If it's really thick, it, your mati- your blade's not going to cut very well as a chef's knife. It'll cut, but as a chef's knife, it's I, I don't think it's going to cut very well. And so, I think the key for anybody trying to do a good job uh, is to get a fine, as fine of a edge geometry or I guess blade geometry that their steel and heat treat can support. Um, but I, I don't subscribe to the thin to win, meaning everybody thinks that the whole entire blade has to be super thin. And like Jeff was saying last week, like he's, you know, he's got 16th of an inch stuff, but it's, but it's for flexible knives. If you do that for a chef's knife, that I don't feel like you want a super flexible chef's knife like that. 
uh, all whippy and all over the place. So um, I think focus more on your edge geometry and your blade geometry rather than how thick the knife actually is. Because people will see stuff like Don Nguyen. I'm not trying to blow him up. I love his knives. He's definitely like my top three knife makers. If I could ever own one of his knives uh, or anybody's knives, he would be one of them. He's my top three. But uh, a lot of people would say his knives are really thick. Maybe they are, but they cut like a motherfucker. And I love them. And the way they perform, the way they glide through food is incredible for what is would be considered a quote unquote thick knife. And or maybe I just like a little booty on my knives. I don't know. All right. So, all, right all right. There you go. <laughs> okay, let's talk about another sponsor. So it's the the New Jersey Steel Baron. So we all use steel. Obviously, we're making knives. But if the in the US, there's only one real place to get your steel, and that's the New Jersey Steel Baron. Steel in any dynam any dimension. They got massive varieties of steel. So if you want to if you want to try a new steel, you can you can just get like a small billet, you know, a small strip. You don't need to you know send in a, a huge order. So try try new steels. But saying that, if you do want, if you're happy with the steel you've got, they can do big sheets for you as well. They can do anything. They got a, a water jet jet in service, um, which I know Jeff uses for some of his stuff. You can even just draw down on a bit of paper and they'll sort out they'll do it like a 2d cad drawing for you and they'll get it cut out and they'll get they'll shipped out to you so so go take a look at new jersey steel baron they've got a new website coming soon we've been promised we've been promised it's coming very soon uh, but just give them a call give them a call see what they've got they're going to have anything you want if they don't have it they're going to get it in for you and they're yeah they're a family-run business they're just really nice to deal with so new jersey steel baron and that's new jersey steel baron.com all right (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) maybe i'm hungover all right so this is called the beefs where's the beef and this is where we bitch and moan and and complain about nonsense or you know say something that's grinding our gears so mr moreco you have a beef for us well i had one last week but you stole it from me but I'm going to bitch about it this week anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good, all right. Double beef. Double, Double beef with beef. cheese. Double down. Mm, that's actually, now I'm hungry, even though it's 6 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning. Anyways, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I had I had somebody send me a direct message. They dropped into the DMs, and they made this awful suggestion that I should sell a knife basically for the cost of the materials. and. The reality, I just what's frustrating about this is that I, I don't know why. I don't know why there's an assumption that I'm swimming like Scrooge McDuck in a, a tower of gold coins. I, I don't understand why people think this. Um, well, you know, the, I mean, you, you, there are. I mean, they're not. You, you made a lot of money on that knife. I mean, people people assume that people don't realize <laughs> that you actually pay pay for things. They don't. They think that's what they think. You have to kind of let them know that it's. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It's just it, this isn't uh, this isn't a craft that very that basically almost nobody is getting rich doing. Um. And nobody's Scrooge McDuck swimming around in, in, in towers of gold, but it's just it's just really frustrating. It makes me I always want to lash out at the person, like, but I, I never do because it's only one person. But 
I hope people understand that just because you sell a knife for a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're swimming in swimming in cash. So uh, it's just I don't know. It's just really frustrating to have to deal with that. And because reality is like for that steel, I mean, all right, cool. You want me to break it down? The handle material is like a sixty dollar block of wood. And the steel took four days to make, and it's a quarter of it. So that's probably at least $200, $300 worth of uh, material right there off the top. You want to pay $300 for that? I can't, like, my, 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 I guess my thing is, my, 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 oh, fuck, I can't think of the word. But my priority is to take care of my family. And, you know, I've got to sell knives. And as much as I can sell a knife for, as much as it can be valued at, I'm going to sell the fucking knife to pay my bills, keep a roof over the head, and food in my stomach. So, and so that's what I got. Right, so well, fuck that guy. These people, yeah, they, they, look, these guys, they want, they want everything. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Yeah, I'm not going to say another word. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. Craig, I'm looking at the show notes, and I love what your beef is. So why don't you tell us what your beef is? <laughs> Alcohol. <laughs> why? 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 Why do we do it to ourselves? And yeah, uh, you know, I don't. I don't drink a lot. Um, but whenever I get a hangover, I just say, "Why am I doing? I'm not doing this again. There's no point. It's, it's just ruined the next two days of my life, just for what four or five hours of, of fun." And it was probably stupid fun anyway. It probably wasn't you know, the best fun. <laughs> but, stupid I mean, fun. <laughs> it doesn't... Like, I, last night was beer, right? And I, I make beer. I, I, you know, I enjoy the process of making beer. And I, you know, I like, you know, the taste of, you know, of different types of beer. But like, last night was just, like, shit beer anyway. And it, it doesn't taste nice. Okay, it may put you in a good mood for, let's say, a few hours. But honestly, the, the pain... It's it's not worth it. It really isn't worth it. So <laughs> alcohol is my beef. <laughs> why is <laughs> yeah, why do we do it? Why this could be this could be a TED talk in itself. Why do we do this to ourselves? But yeah, it's a weird one. So I think <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make this decision now on the on the show to say I'm not drinking for thirty days. That's it. Not a single Whoa. not a single sip I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have. And let's just see if it if it clears my head out a bit. I stopped drinking during the weekdays. I actually did uh, two weeks of no drinking, and I I, uh, I felt pretty good. Hmm. So I'm actually doing it. I'm not drinking during the weekdays at all. So yeah. not even just one. You know, usually I'd have one beer or something like that, and I'm not none of it. I need I need a serious overhaul with like diet, everything. I, I need to lose weight. I need to. So yeah, I think dropping alcohol would be a good start to that, and um, yeah, lose a bit of weight. Get yourself a couple of those white claws. Suck down on a couple of those white claws, and you'll be fine. The, you know, but what the hell is a white claw? A white claw. <laughs> oh, come on, man! You guys, you don't know what a white claw is. is. It, wait, is wait, new... is it the alcoholic seltzer water? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's okay. what. That's what. Uh, that's what all the. That's what all the young people are drinking. It's like. It's like Zima in disguise. It's like. Uh, <laughs> it's very low, cal- low caloric. Uh, 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 bev, cold bev. And I know some. I know some high-level knife makers who are secretly drinking it. I know some. I and mean, then you, you're listening to this podcast. And you know who you are. And you're giggling. So and there's alcohol in this. Yeah, yeah. Tastes yeah. just like seltzer water, with a little bit of booze. Yeah. So there you go. Sneak it in. All right. Well, I'll tell you. I had a. I had. I had an altercation, uh, like a slight road road rage altercation today. Uh, this week, I was. Uh, I was trying to uh, plan out my next few months, and uh, we just kind of uh, 
took on, we're waiting for the okay of a bid for a big job. The money's good, but the deadline sucks, but I want to do it because I want to get to the next level. And, and so it was really like when I walk in the morning, I walk the dogs and I try to like get my mind focused for the day, the month, the week, the month, the year, whatever. So I get very like deep into it. And then one of my dogs, I got this big dog Sunday, who's a great dog, but she's difficult. Like she'll smell something in the road and she'll stop walking. Like something all, she doesn't, she doesn't, sometimes she just doesn't want to walk and it's very frustrating. <laughs> so I'm trying to be deep in thought. I was crossing the road, not at the intersection, but like in the middle of it on a sleepy road. And as I'm walking, Sunday decides I don't want to walk in the middle of the road. And this guy made this, he turned the corner fast and he came down on me really, really hard. He, he, I wasn't in a blind spot. He just kind of came down on me really hard. And I was frustrated. I was frustrated at the dog. I was frustrated at, at what we're doing and stuff like that. So I did what I don't normally do, which is I just, I slumped my shoulders, put my hands to my sides and made a face like, come on, man. It was just like a very, you know, just like a, it was angry. Hmm. And he rolled his window down and he said, this turned into like the most PG interaction of all time. He, 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 he was this little guy and he goes, you were jaywalking, buddy. And he, and he drove past me and I'm like trying to finish crossing the street. And all I could write, I said, I said, are you kidding me? And then I was so mad and I was so <laughs> mad at him. But then I started to get mad at myself. Because I, I, I realized, ugh, what are you going to do? You're going to start screaming at people in the neighborhood like an old man? It's just so, it was this very, very, and I started to think about it, and it got me crazy. And the guy was, he was mad, but he, he was stupid mad. It's like jaywalking. Get the fuck up. You know, you're talking jaywalking. Get that, get out of here. And I was mad at myself because I couldn't get the dog to walk. And I started to get bummed out at myself because I thought, well, maybe Sunday she doesn't feel like I can, you know, she doesn't trust my, my control of her. So she's like, it was just, it turned into this, like this very downward spiral of, of, uh, of emotions and stuff like that. So I felt like sometimes when she, when, when the we're walking and Bessie, the the murderer, Bessie, the dog, the murderer and Sunday, and we walking and and Sunday just stops walking. And it's like, she's looking at me. She's like, look, this isn't big enough of a pack. And I don't believe that you can actually protect me. And then I start to feel bad about myself because I start to feel like, yeah, maybe I can't protect her. Maybe she knows something. I don't know. And then all of a sudden I'm like, God, then the people screaming at me in the street, and there we have it beef it's me the beef is oh, with me all because of a shit in the road that the dog was sniffing no there was no shit in the road she just oh. was well it was like a you know who knows like a raccoon passed by or i always think there's like a coyote walk past the street and she's like whoa there something's bad here and and he and he looks she looks at me and is just like and you ain't gonna do nothing about it and i can't i can't <laughs> trust you at all <sighs> there we are and we, then we, poor, you know, should we all do a collective Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <sighs> there we go there we go that's a show that's a show Jesus. thank you for listening we we go live every monday um but here's some news here's some news whatever whatever you're using to listen to your podcasts whether it's spotify whether it's itunes whether it's stitcher whatever it is there may be something coming up tomorrow too so keep an eye out keep an eye out that's it. We shall speak to you very, very, very soon. Bye-bye.